1: Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney, Executive Director, and today I am joined by Kayla Myers. She's a family peer supporter for Montana's Peer Network. Welcome, Kayla.
0: Hi guys, thank you for having me.
1: So this is, uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month and all month in our podcasts, we're featuring different topics on mental health. Uh, If you would like more information on Mental Health Awareness Month, you can visit SAMHSA.gov, Mental Health Awareness Month, SAMHSA is S-A-M-H-S-A.gov, or you can really just type in Mental Health Awareness Month, it comes right up. This is a really great site. They have tons of information, including toolkits and PSAs. Um, They have messages from uh, the director. There's information about things going on all across the country. If you need immediate support, there's uh, the 988 lifeline number. There are events going on each week. So sort of depending on when you're listening to this, I'm looking at the page right now and it's almost every day, the entire month of May, they're taking on different topics, mental health for older adults, Uh, moving awareness from awareness to acceptance, self-care practices for youth, children's behavioral health, um, many pathways. It's really got a lot of great information. Again, that's uh, SAMHSA's Mental Health Awareness Month. And so today with Kayla, we're going to talk about uh, parental mental health, being a mom and Kayla's experience with mental health, mental wellness. This is great because I don't, I don't know that we've done this exact topic. I think we've talked a lot about family supporters, and we've talked about um, what it's like to be a mom with a child with special healthcare needs. We've done that topic, but uh, this one's a little different. So I want to say thank you again for coming on, and let's let's jump into it, Kayla.
0: Absolutely. I think this is important and the perfect month to talk about it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so when, when did you know that your mental health was affecting you?
0: Yeah. Um, it's kind of a complex question and we'll, we'll get to all of it. Um, but when I really, really felt it in my own body, in my own mind, when I just didn't feel like myself was when I had moved out and went to college. Um, I started having these really intense, really scary panic attacks. Um, they didn't happen all the time. They would happen every six to eight months, but it literally felt like I was having a heart attack. And I would go to the urgent care. They would do an EKG, and it was it was it was scary. It was really really scary to me as a young still a young mind that's not un or unsure of what's happening mm-hmm. inside of me and yeah mm-hmm.
1: plus you were out on your own you know college yes. you know away from home that sort of thing yeah
0: yeah yeah did they so, talk
1: to you about mental health i mean when you were in the urgent care does that did that even come up well
0: no and it was kind of a you know my friend and i she went with me the first time and it was kind of a joke to us even i mean I was like, please tell my family. I really thought I was dying. Like all joking aside, I really thought I was having a heart attack. And you know, they just said, I think you're having a panic attack and we're gonna give you this to calm you down today. And we're gonna set you up with a primary care visit tomorrow and follow up on that. And that was kind of like, I was on my way. No, no care plan, no action plan nothing. It was just kind of like, oh, you're just having a panic attack and here's a medication follow-up with primary. The only thing I would say that the primary care doctor said to me and that sticks in my mind to this day is when I did go the next day was sometimes we might not know why our body has anxiety, but what our body is telling us is there's some unresolved trauma, unresolved you know, something in there that our body's making us deal with that our brain hasn't dealt with, processed, or we haven't acknowledged ourselves.
1: And so what what were, up up until that point, what were your, did you understand that, that, you know, like what a panic attack was? Were you, did you have awareness of that, like anxiety and those kinds of things? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I,
0: I pride, you know, throughout my life, I look back and I, think of myself as somebody that was very empathetic, in tune with everyone else around me, what they're feeling, what they were needing, what they were wanting, but very unaware of what I was feeling, needing, wanting, crying out for. Um, So I feel like my examples of mental health were really lived through the eyes of others. I saw depression and depression to me was that severe, severe depressed state and suicide and, um, that scary, scary aspect that people correlate mental health to anxiety was,
1: you know, Oh, I'm
0: anxious. It was very minimalized. And then I think all of the other layers of mental health were, you know, still pretty minimized, or I didn't have a lot of experience with others in my life that had, um, mental health. And then um, my father had been in and out of jail since I was a third grader, no, fourth grader, sorry. And so I associated mental health as well with addiction and, you know, kind of that realm. So it was very big. I guess if I could go back and look at what I thought mental health was at that time was these very big, extreme things that people went through depression addiction bipolar you know they were they they were the
1: extreme Mm -hmm. so it wasn't something you were experiencing because it was something else and you weren't at that quite at that place so so then what happened so you're in school you're in college you end up in the urgent care you said more than once that happened to you more than once yes
0: yes and I look back and wish, you know, a health care provider, a friend, um, I mean, my mom was very supportive and if anything, she was the one that pushed me to go to primary, you know, the primary care appointments or to follow up or, um, but I wish I would have had enough knowledge and understanding of what mental health could lead to if it's untreated and un, um, Recognized within yourself what the road that you're going to lead yourself down. If you ignore it and keep acting like things aren't gonna, things aren't happening, then um, like self medicating can happen. Um, I was in college at the time. Um, I don't have a, a issue. I don't have a, a substance abuse issue, but when you have things that are untreated in your mental health, I, I believe that those are the roads that you could start leading down. You can want to go and around, you know, your friends and if they're drinking and, you know, um, smoking weed, whatever it looks like, you know, those things can take your mind off of what your brain and body are feeling. And so it can be, it can be a scary road that can happen to people if Mm -hmm. they're ignoring the signs of even, even just an anxiety attack or a panic attack. I mean, I feel like that's the most alarming thing that we really should be paying attention to is it's not normal to have a panic attack Mm -hmm. a full-blown out of the blue that's not normal
1: um so and did you did you do that did you turn to i mean you're in like you said you're in college is that what you did did you turn to to drinking and hanging out with your friends and and did you ignore it did you go to counseling
0: you know I think no, I didn't go to counseling. I think I would try to talk to people about it, but I'm a very um emotional sensitive big big minded I have a I've always been this way. I'm a people call me an old soul or like an, I'm an empath. I just have you know my thoughts sometimes are bigger than I can even comprehend as is. And I tried to communicate with people, but I felt like I just was very much ignored or pushed to the side, or made to feel like, "Come on, Kayla, you're just being sensitive again, or you're just being emotional again." You know, mm-hmm. it was always that brushing off of, "Oh, come on, you know, you're you're fine, everything's fine. You're just mm-hmm. you're probably just mm-hmm. doing that thing you do again." Yeah, mm-hmm. which then can really turn you off to talking about things when they are really actually
1: big, big, big for you. So so. at what point did, did that change? At what point did that change for you?
0: Yeah, um, when I became a mom. <laughs> so that kind of leads me into, um, I think it's gonna make me emotional because I do think that when these things go untreated um, and overlooked and not talked about, when I became a mom, I didn't have any um, postpartum depression, but looking back, I definitely had postpartum anxiety. You feel this sense of when you become a parent, it's an automatic sense of protection. You want to protect them and you want to provide and you want to love them and you don't want to You don't want to mess them up or have the things that messed me up in my childhood or my adolescence to mess you know you don't want to make the same mistakes and so that was really it it all just really hit me then like all of my life and all of the trauma and all of the stuff i had pushed to the back of my brain or the back burner all came to a front when i became and how
1: well how old were you then were you done you were done with school and
0: no I um I was going to school and I just I couldn't figure out what I once again I wish I would have known what social work was or a more in-depth look at it because now I know what I should have been going to school for um hence my my career path now um and I got a job at Wells Fargo and I was um moving up the ladder and then I got pregnant with my son and I took maternity leave and I just didn't ever go back to work until I started. Um, I mean, I did, I started my own little um, business at home, but
1: yeah, no, I. Did you start counseling then? Did you, what happened then? Was no, there counseling, medication, no. anything?
0: So Easton wasn't, I, but I don't feel like I okay so I had moved away from all of my family and friends so it was just me and my ex-husband in Seattle in the first year I was pregnant and you know that that thing people talk about with Seattle like the sun never coming out and it being mm-hmm. dreary and depressing I didn't really feel it the first year because I was pregnant and I was already tired and commuting and but when I had my son that next winter um when he was a you know, I had him in June. And so he's um, four, five, six, seven months old. You know, that time frame, I really felt it. I had nobody. I yeah, I was I was alone to for the first time, I was alone with no one to turn to, you know, where I could just get in the car and drive to them or pick up a phone and say, Hey, do you want to come over? I was alone with this baby and my thoughts <laughs> and my trauma and my sorry i didn't i didn't think this is going to make me so emotional but yeah it was and i still don't think in the time i realized what was happening with me still just very numb to what i needed what i should have been doing for myself what somebody should have reached out a hand and done for me, or the questions that people should have been asking me. Um, But I also have come to realize that I've learned how to put on a really, a really brave face. So people, I guess, don't really know that I'm going through something unless I say it, because I, I guess I do a very good job at, not that I'm trying to hide it. I think I'm just, I don't want to burden people with anything. I want to know how they are and I want to know what they need. And I wanted to know, I should say past tense. I just poured myself into everybody around me. And so, yeah, looking back, I still don't think I knew I was anxious, but I don't think I knew what was actually happening once again within me when I became a mom. I can look back and name it all off, but I still think in the time I was a new mom and I should have, you know, I was happy and excited. And I loved him. There was no part of me that didn't want to be a mom. I, I loved every second of it since the Mm -hmm. moment he was born. Yeah. But I just, my, my mental health was basically a disaster at that
1: point, looking back. Mm -hmm. And so then what happened? What, when, when did that change? When did
0: yeah, so we moved to California, so I was a little bit closer to friends and family, and my um, ex-husband and I were starting to have some some issues and things that were, you know, louder than you can ignore, kind of at that point. And I that was when it also became, when I became a mom. That was really also I think I was then able to acknowledge what I had went through as a child. Um, and realizing that I would never do this, that to my children, like how could that have happened to me? And so then I knew I needed to go to counseling because then the anxiety just was there. It wouldn't stop. I was seeing a primary care doctor and I was, I guess I, it's not a good word, but basically we were experimenting with what would work
1: for me anxiety wise. And so, but but the primary care doctor they weren't recommending counseling yet to you that still wasn't happening?
0: I mean, I think they would say, do you have a counselor?
1: Or like, have you thought
0: about counseling? And I'd say, it was really my press, 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 oh my gosh, perseverance to like, I need to do something about this. Like now it's seeping out into, Mm -hmm. now the very thing I was scared of it when I became a mom is happening. I'm Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. to fail my children. Mm-hmm. I'm going to not do a good job, not because I don't want to be, but there's things that are bigger than me that are going to take over.
1: You started I going to, go to counseling. Yeah. So you started yeah. going to counseling. Did you get a different diagnosis when you started going to counseling?
0: Um, No, no, it was still, it was still an anxiety disorder. And then, then after some time we moved and I really loved my counselor. She, she would push me, and, like, you know, I think as a kid, you we learned those things, you know, happy, mad, sad, as feelings. And she really pushed me to open up and to how, but how did that make you feel, which is such a like cliche counseling thing, but she made me dive and and mm-hmm. start connect start started the process of connecting some dots for me. Then we moved to Montana, and I had had my um in California, I, I had my second son. And so that was again, like a fresh fun. I was a lot more relaxed as a mom um, with him though. I could take a breath and like, I didn't think if he wasn't around me, he wasn't gonna die. Like I was a freak when I had Houston, like looking back. And I laughed about it when I had Bryce, it was still funny to me. And it's not, it shouldn't have been funny that I was struggling that bad. And it was played off as oh, I was just it's such a freak. I was an anxiety ridden mess, but like that should have been that should have been a red flag or a, a flag to, to say like, but why Kayla? Like that's that's right, not, right. <clears throat> not what's more, happening
1: here. Yeah. 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 What's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. So you so you go to Montana and then you yeah. picked up picked up Insta- counselor here.
0: Instantly knew. Yeah, instantly. I was like, I need to find a counselor because I knew what it was doing for me. And I started um, with a really good primary care doctor and he, um, he made me do labs because I was like, I'm just always like, I'm exhausted and I don't feel, I don't feel excited anymore. I don't feel, I mean, my kids were the only thing that really made me feel anything. Everything else was just very, I was very numb. Um and not not suicidal um now looking back, I know that that's um uh, depression and how my body responds in a state of depression, but definitely numb to kind of an autopilot mode of being a mom, going to work, being a wife, you know, having a social life. I was in autopilot mode for sure, I was so disassociated from what was happening around me.
1: I was lost. Sounds like, sounds like trauma or unresolved grief. I mean, that's what you're, you're describing. And that's why I asked you about, did you get a new diagnosis with the counselor? Because in terms like anxiety disorder and depression are like general catch-alls that people tend to get diagnosed with, right? That's sort of the same thing with me when I first got diagnosed, like, oh, you have depression, you know, and I, Sort of air quoting yeah. that, you know, but once you kind of get into it, usually then at some point you get a different diagnosis because that's just a catch all to kind of get the process rolling. Yeah. Um,
0: well, it's funny you say that because then I, it's so silly too. Like, I think people would look at me like, what? Um, so my younger brother has ADHD and he was always my example of ADHD growing up. It was very loud and in your, like, not like he was, I mean, we are both kind of loud, but, um, you know, he, he, he met all of the like check or like checklist to what it looks like to society, ADHD. Like, and I started talking to my primary care doctor and I was like, I have watched a million TikToks about ADHD in women. And I, every single time I watch one, it literally describes me to a T every single one of them. And you know, people would be like, Oh, okay, Kayla. But I'm like, there's, I'm like, my anxiety and depression have not been addressed in a sense where I don't ever feel like I feel okay, or not numb or not in autopilot mode. Like there's something else. They did more blood work still like, well, that could be, you know, cause I described it as my anxiety is my like adrenaline. And it fuels me to like, want to do Right. Better, and then my depression is when I hit that like, want, want, want. So they're like, well, maybe you're bipolar, and I'm like, no, you're not. List like, you're not listening. Nobody mm-hmm. for a while listened to me, and then I got into um, um, a psychiatrist here in town, and he was like, yeah, like you, I definitely think you have ADHD, and I think you have. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD and CPTSD, and everything started making more sense. Everything started clicking. I started on medication and I felt a lot like my brain wasn't just in overdrive all the time. And, um, I could be a mom again and be present and be, um, once I really dove and I started, um, EMDR therapy as well. So that Mm -hmm. really makes you dive deep Mm -hmm. into your trauma, into what. Happen and makes your brain actually process mm-hmm. what happened to you. So a lot has changed in two and a half years for me, but it's, it's really made so much sense about looking back now, I can name all the things that I was going through or feeling or needing. And that's why, that's why it's important to talk about our stories and to share them. Because I think there's a lot of us out there that are lost and don't know what to do because we don't even have a word for what we're feeling
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well we have these catch-alls where that's what we yeah. end up doing is we put these catch-alls on them and as you're talking it's like I said I mean you're you're describing unresolved grief or trauma it's an unprocessed experience and we we throw it in these catch-alls of anxiety disorder and it's like but once you dig in, you find it's really these other things that are going on and you got to do the work. And I think, you know, you're illustrating, I mean, some great points and thank you for sharing your experience. And But I think, you know, this is really common, as you said, because we have a system that doesn't really do that good of a job. <laughs> they don't really listen right? As the, the patient or the client, as we would be, right? They don't really listen. It's like, we just want to check these boxes and sort of put you in this category. And what did it take? It took a psychiatrist to spend a little time. I'm a huge fan of psychiatry, because I think they take the time and they have more schooling. So their, their, their knowledge base is way bigger but the time factor with the knowledge base is it's it's tenfold compared to a counselor.
0: Yeah. Or a or a
1: primary yeah. or a primary care who gets just yeah. a general, you know, they get a little bit of everything. They know a little bit of everything, but not in depth. And and when and when I talk to people about mental health. You know, people who really are digging in, most of them have gone to psychiatrists or a psychologist. Both are really good, and and we have a shortage of those. We don't have enough. We don't. We hardly have any in our entire state of Montana. And this is where we should be driving people, in my opinion, not just to counseling, but to go further with your education and to think like we need to fill these these gaps because. Yeah, I think once you go to a psychiatrist and you get that full evaluation, you get a much better diagnosis, which sounds like that's what happened for you. I think it was a 90
0: minute evaluation of questions that were very deep and in depth. And it was every diagnosis umbrella. You know, it wasn't just like anxiety anxiety.
1: You know, like right.
0: oh yeah, right. it, it's it, they're asking you questions. You don't know it at the time, but they're asking you questions and fielding, you know, bipolar, uh, borderline personality, sort of trauma. Yeah. Right. So
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. They're checking. They're, they're they're basically crossing things off. You know, they're yeah. asking you these in depth questions for you know an hour and a half, two hours, and they're trying to narrow this down from all these diagnoses. Yeah. No, I think it's great that you were able to do that, and so. Um, do you talk to your, your kids, how your kids, uh, do you talk to them about mental health? I mean, you said you have this awareness, you see it in, you know, you can see anxiety in your kids and.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. A part of me, you know, I was, you know, in counseling, I've had to work through that, um, guilt, that if I would have known these things sooner, like, could I have stopped, you know, making my kids feel XY and Z or you know, but we we can't live in the past and I have to move forward. So I'm huge on um, you know, just last week and I told my 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 youngest has autism. So explaining that these things to him is and he's nonverbal, it's you know, it's it's not gonna look the same mm-hmm. with him. But also mm-hmm. if I'm if mom's good, it's gonna be good for Bryce. You know, at the end of the day it's if mom is good, it's going to be good for all of, you know, it ripples down. Sure. Um, but I see myself a lot in him. Hmm. And so I, while I have that guilt, I also am really proud of myself that and him that at least, you know, three years ago, we might've been three years, you know, or five years into his life, six years, but at least. At least we started, at least we are having those conversations. At least um, I can be honest with him and say, you know, my head is just not good today. He has nothing to do with you. Um, it's not anything you have to fix. Um, I just want you to be aware so that if I seem not okay to you, that you don't, you know, because I don't want him to take it on as his own and I don't want him to have to make it better for me. It's not his job. Um, and I think by having those conversations with just being open and saying, like, I'm not a perfect person either, Easton. Like, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to lash out. I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm a human being too. And I think it's important for our kids to see us as human beings and for us to have these conversations because it starts at home. And if our kids don't feel comfortable telling us, you know, hey, I don't feel Okay, in my body or my brain, then what makes us think that they're going to go and talk to anybody else about it?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they're not. They're going to start yeah. acting out or yeah. self-medicating, or yeah, it's 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 really yeah. important. So I yeah I I something that I do regularly with him, especially when I see that he's having behaviors that are not normal for him. I have this chart and it's and that is in the middle because I think a lot of the time we see that or anger, but really it stems from embarrassment, hurt. I mean, exactly. there's so many yeah. things and yeah. 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 So I show him that constantly and I say what I see anger on the outside right now, but what actually are you feeling? Right. Um, so we have a lot of those kinds of conversations.
1: That's great. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. So- I mean, it's, uh, I mean, those are really progressive conversations between a mom and a, and a child and he's young. He's still young. Right. And so, you know, like that's great because it's going to get him more in touch with his feelings and that it's not about, like you said earlier, mad, sad, glad, you know, like it's not, it's so much more complex than that. And yeah. that's such a simplified view. I found the same thing when I we used to run this drop in center i used to run a group called emotions and and that's what we did we talked about one each group was one different emotion each week to help people identify how are they feeling actually it's not yeah. you're really mad you're actually disappointed and there's a yeah. difference between disappointed and mad you're showing me mad yeah, yeah
0: sometimes I felt silly too, because I would go, I even, when I first saw this diet, I would go to it myself Yeah. and be like, Kayla, yeah. what are you actually feeling? And right. it seems so silly, but I, it's, it's good for your brain to be able t- to know the word of what you're feeling. I think it's a, it's important for your brain to know the word of what, what so there you're feeling yeah. it, you're not associating that feeling with other people. And it, you know, it, it Reaps or it seeps out of us and we project yeah. onto other people. And we, it can really be a cause for disaster if these conversations aren't being had within our own households of, you know, yeah. how are you actually or what's right. going on with you
1: actually? Right, right, yeah. right, right. Not oh, accusatory, just yeah. Well, and I think, I think in particular that we're talking about the emotion of mad, I think that there's a real negative stigma around that emotion that being mad is wrong and there's nothing wrong with being mad in reality there's nothing wrong it's another emotion just like joy is another I can feel joyous that's another emotion we don't say joy is wrong but we say that with anger and when people are mad and we say oh don't you shouldn't be like that right and we get really like don't because we're not allowing the conversation to go deeper of what's really happening and allowing people to explore that. And then there's this fear around mad, you know, right? And so it's great. It's great that you're doing that and that uh, adults need uh, adults need a copy of that poster. You yeah. You know, not just <laughs> we, for put children. It on
0: the, we need to put it on the you Facebook know, or the website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was gonna say when you were saying all of that, it made me think about you know, from a parenting standpoint, it's really hard to take your own feelings and emotions and out of the equation when your kids are expressing themselves. Like, because it it can sometimes be, it it can be offending, like you take it personal. Like I want to give you the best and I want to be the best mom. I mean, we all as parents want to, that is one thing I think we can all agree on. We just want to do the best job we can do And when our kids are looking at us like, uh, you know, with such anger or sadness, or it's so hurtful. And I think the thing I, I'm not perfect at it. I will never be perfect at it. It's just something I'm trying to remember when I'm having these honest and open conversations with my kids is trying to take and remove my feelings and what I, what they're saying and it not be personal to me, um, because that's you know it's I think it's what all of us jump to it's an easy it's a it's a it's a defense it's a defense mechanism I think that we've all as a society picked up is there's no room for anger because then that means like now I have to defend myself and I think if we stopped if and taking our own feelings and emotions out of the equation and really just giving our kids that open platform to just express themselves, even if it is hurtful in the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, I think when those really beautiful and deep connections and conversations start to happen with our kids as they then trust us that no matter what, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, it it brings you back to that unconditional love that parents and children have with with each other so
1: agreed agreed yeah yeah all right Kayla well we are out of time this was a really great uh conversation here what would you like to say to the the mom that's out there that's struggling and you know stumbled across this podcast what what do you want to say to her
0: yeah I would say um if there's if there's something in you that's telling you that something's not right, that something's been missed, that somebody's not listening or validating or hearing you, keep reaching out. Um, If you live in Montana, you can always reach out to any of us at Montana Peer Network. We are huge advocates for for mental health as a whole. Reach out to one of us. We will listen. We will validate you. We will point you in the right direction. Um, If you trust a neighbor, a friend, a your husband, why, you know, whoever it is, keep opening up and keep talking because, you know, I think that that's where, why the rise in, um, you know, suicide is in today's time is because people, I think, try to open up and they just either don't do a good job or they're not heard or validated or listened to. I would hate for anybody to feel alone or lost in their their mind. Um, and I also think that people need to remember that it's you are not alone and it happens more often than you think. It like me, I put on a, a brave, happy smile face. I was, I was not dying, but I was I was I was lost, I was helpless, I was hopeless, I I was drowning with that smile on my face. So when you see people, you know, take it for a grain of salt. You you don't know what they're going through, be kind. And try to be empathetic um, to not what you're seeing on the outside, like anger or this confusingness. Um, but yeah, if you, if you're a mom or a parent in general, and you're struggling, like, please, please reach out to somebody. There's somebody that will listen to you and cares and we will help you. I know for sure at Montana Care Network, but um, if you don't want to talk to a stranger, talk to somebody that you know and love and trust. It's so important. Thank you, Kayla. and Thank, thank you, you,
1: Yeah, and, and thank you to the listeners um, for tuning in. Each week we do a Recovery Talks podcast. We cover different topics around recovery, mental health, wellness, substance use, trauma. We try to keep it interesting with different guests. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud and on our website. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys